0: Listening to Fan holes, the preferred podcast of Homo Superior. Why don't you come out where I can see you, Fan Holes? Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome back to Fan holes. Tony seems to be out on the front line. We heard there was a pending Decepticon invasion of New York come July. So we asked him to go out on the front lines and keep an eye on things out there. Hey, Tony, what's going on? What do you see out there on the front lines? Nice. Nice. Okay, well, keep us posted. Make sure uh, Shockwave doesn't, you know, blow up the Statue of Liberty or anything, okay? All right. This week, we're going to be talking about, in our roundtable session, what the fanholes' first music album they ever bought was, and also what some of our first concerts were. We're also going to be talking about comic books. This week we're going to be talking about what the worst comic book event we've ever been exposed to, and we also kind of want to dovetail into a discussion about do we think comic book events are a benefit or a detriment to comics on the whole. And for video games, we're going to be discussing the Red Faction armageddon game that's coming out for the playstation xbox and microsoft windows in june 2011 and then finally for the future we're going to be talking about dc comics they're basically relaunching their entire line so all 52 titles are going to have new number one issues and we're just going to go around and see what the panels think about it and kind of give you guys some more information about that So, let's just start off. We're going to be going into first music albums and first concerts for fan holes. Why don't we just go ahead and uh, start off with Justin. What, what was your first music album you ever bought, and what was one of the first concerts you ever attended?
2: Uh, the first album I ever bought, it was Green Day's Dookie album. I've actually, this will kind of show me a little bit. I bought the tape for that. I didn't have a CD player at the time. And the first CD I ever bought was Nirvana's Nevermind. Followed Nirvana till you know Kurt Cobain's death, and then I keep up with the Food Fighters and still keep up with them. As far as first concert, I've only ever been to one concert. I went and I saw Third Eye Blind, uh, October of 2008. I saw them in Knoxville, Tennessee, and there's a reason it's the only concert I've ever been to. I guess. Because I live kind of in a rural area, uh, most of the cool concerts or cool bands seem to happen you know, far, far away. And every now and then, when somebody cool goes to Knoxville, I want to go. But you know, nobody ever, ever really wants to drive doing half hours to Knoxville, or everybody's got other plans going on. So usually I get kind of left out on a couple. But uh, that time things worked out pretty well.
1: That's cool. So did you like, when you went there to see Third Eye Blind, did you like Third Eye Blind? Was it a cool show? Was it uh, something that you were into that you'd see again? Or was it just kind of like a thing where you saw it and you feel like that's all you need to see? Or
2: No, I've been a, I've been a fan of theirs since high school. One of their big hits, uh, semi Turn Life, came out when I was in 10th grade, I believe. So I've been a fan of theirs, and I, I followed their next album. Uh, I think it's just called Blue. After that, I uh, kind of lost track of them, but some friends told me they were coming to Knox Law. I wanted to to try and go and see them just because i you know, get up with them for so long. But uh, it was a good concert. It was a really good atmosphere. Since I'd never been to a concert before, I didn't really know what to expect or, you know, what would happen or what the atmosphere would be.
3: Did they have uh, an opener or anything?
2: Yeah, it was, I don't even remember who it was. Yeah, exactly. But uh, they were really good too. They played for like forty-five minutes, and they were kind of similar to Third Eye Blind. They were really good, but uh, but it was a really good concert. And we got there really early. You know, we we were like one of the first fifty people in or something, and we were like right up there at the stage, so we were like really close to them. And Stephen, the lead singer, when he came out and was like running his running along the edge of the uh, stage, we could like just reach out and touch him. So it, it was really good.
1: Cool. No, that sounds like a cool concert to have be your first. I can totally back you on, or at least maybe I can make myself seem older than you, because I probably had a whole case full of cassette tapes, you know, with the little snapper on it and everything. So, like, yeah, I, I, I bought quite a few cassette tapes before I finally, you know, switched over to... I, I don't even think I got a CD player until I was in college, so it took me a while before I, I had any CDs myself. So, Brian, how about you? You got a first music album and a first concert to share with all the listeners?
3: Yeah, music's always been a pretty important part of my life, so I have pretty distinct memories of each album, tape, and CD I got. I think when I was like three or four, my first record that I ever received as a gift was the Christmas album by uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, I Mm -hmm. listened to the crap out of that album pretty much. Uh, The first (laughs) album I bought myself was Michael Jackson's Bad. The first cassette tape I bought myself was uh, Pump Up the Jam by Technotronic, I think. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had quite a big musical taste. By the time CDs came around, I was almost a secret brother of Justin where he bought Nevermind. All my friends bought that album that was really into Nirvana. The album I ended up buying first was actually Bleach, which I thought was going to be Nirvana's newest album. But really, you know, it was just their first release that kind of resurged in popularity once never mind was such a big hit yeah as far as concerts have you guys ever heard of a band named the urge i have not okay. i do they they weren't a ska band but they had some horns like a trumpet and a trombone in their band but uh they used to play i can't remember the name of the place it's in ames iowa it's something bar and grill there's like two or three shows that they did there and it's a it's kind of a small place only like 50 to 100 people, I'm assuming, could fit in, but it was really cool, because that was, like, my senior year at high school, so we were right next to the band, because we're a band, This band that was, like, you know, on the radio, and they had a video on, on MTV, we were right next to them, they ended up signing my school, like, lunch ticket, because I didn't have anything else for them to sign, and then when their set was over, we actually got, um, to help them carry their, like, drums and stuff off the stage, so... They're all just really friendly, and that was a really cool concert to be my first. And then the first like arena type concert I went to, I'm thinking it was like 2002, 2003. but It is a Weezer show. So Weezer. Well,
1: I I like Weezer a lot, but I never I never actually got to see them live or anything.
3: Yeah, they give off a pretty decent show. Actually, just this past weekend, we learned my wife and I learned that they were going to be at the Minnesota State Fair this year in September. So we're gonna try to go to that. So going to get to see them a second time.
1: Cool. Very cool. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm shooting it over to you, Mike. How about you? You got a first album and a first concert to share with the rest of the listeners?
0: I'm not much of a music guy. Um, I don't think I can even remember, like, what my first CD was. I w- I'm the youngest one, I know, but I-, I-, I still was around for, like, cassette tapes and stuff. Like, I, you know, I, I- my dad used to make me, like, mixtapes and stuff, and I, I just remember... Uh, being thrilled one time because I was in a music store and I was looking through cassettes and I found the cassette soundtrack to Transformers the movie and I was like oh I remember being thrilled at finding this because it was like you know like 1990 something and I was like oh I never thought you know I'd ever find this anywhere so that was like a get
3: almost. Yeah I looked like long and hard for that uh, Transformers soundtrack and I found it like at an FYE or something like some overpriced mall CD store is like 20 bucks or something, but it was the first time I'd ever seen it. So I had to buy it. That's wow. interesting. Yeah. You,
1: guys, yeah. you guys had a tough time finding it. I mean, maybe that just shows that I'm a old fart or something. Cause I, I remember having that, but I don't, I don't even think that was like one of my first cassette tapes at all. So, but I, you know,
0: yeah. So. And it was sort of a thing where it didn't occur to me to look for it. And then one day, I guess I was just my dad took me to the mall and we were in a music store and I was like, you know what? Let me let me look under T. Maybe they have something from Transformers. And I was like, and it was there and it was like a cassette and it was like only uh, it was only like I don't know like whatever the going price for cassettes were back in the day. I don't know like thirteen ninety nine or something <laughs> and uh, whatever it yeah, was. Before, yeah, I'm sure. yeah. But I was like, oh my god! And I was like, Dad, Dad, you gotta buy me this right now! And he was like, oh. Uh, Transformers the movie. I was like, yeah. He was like, you used to watch this, didn't you? And I was like, I still watch it, Dad.
3: <laughs> but, <laughs> Damn it, Dad. <laughs> but
0: yeah, we were we were uh, grooving to the sounds of you know Stan Bush on the way home that day. <laughs> but I'd, I'd say my first concert, and I'd say I've only really ever been to two official like concerts in my life, and they've both been Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> i, I got to say, he puts on, like, a hell of a show, though. Like, they, he, they change costumes for every song, and in between, like, during the costume changes, he puts on, like, this little, like, pre-taped, like, short, like, up on a big TV screen. It's usually pretty funny. It, you know, It's and both times I went with my folks, so it wasn't like anything, I I don't know, it's not something I ever thought of going with my friends to, really. So, you know, like I said, I'm not a big music guy. But you know, I like—I don't have really specific tastes. I just like whatever I hear. If I like it, I'll get it and put it sticking on my iPod. Pretty much, you know, I like a lot of Shine Down, Lincoln Park before they got all like really whiny like recently, (laughs) and uh, System of a Down, you know, stuff like that. But otherwise, I'm not too much of a music
3: guy. How long ago was it that you went to the Weird Al concert?
0: Oh, it must have been the first time. It must have been, like, I don't know, when I was, like, 14 or 15. So, I yeah. don't know what, in uh, f- 1999, 2000, maybe.
3: Yeah, he's doing a show, like, tomorrow in Illinois. And I was oh, supposed yes. to go with a friend, but he ended up not having enough money to go, and I didn't want to go by myself. But I've heard he gives really good shows.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a lot a You're down. He gives good show.
3: Also, <laughs> like, uh, going back to the Transformer album... When I went to my first BotCon, it was like BotCon 2000, Vince DiColo was going to be there, so I ended up taking my album for him to sign. And I think I actually pissed him off because uh, I don't know why I even did it, but for some reason I asked him to sign both the cover and the cd itself and he gave me like a dirty look before he actually signed them both like it's crazy <laughs> or something
1: are you insane my pen can't handle this <laughs> well
3: they're being kind of pissy about like the autographs and saying like due to time constraints you could only ask them to sign one out one item so oh, i don't
1: know how dare you ask for vince de autograph twice Like, can you sign sign Rocky Four soundtrack and Transformers the movie? They're like, no! (laughs) Yeah. You asked for too much, sir. (laughs) I was going to say this is going to be all, you know, embarrassing old crap for me, but I pretty much remember making the mixtapes, kind of like Mike was saying. I mean, honestly, I was kind of weird because most of my friends would listen to the radio and they'd tape songs off their favorite radio stations. But, like, what I would do is I'd, like, watch, like, VH1 or MTV, and I'd actually, like, tape the audio from the, you know, the TV and stuff. And, like, so I'd just have, like, a whole bunch of mixtapes made of, like, you know, music, video, audio, and stuff like that. So Pretty I, I
3: high-fidelity stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what I was doing back then for the most part, and I made a lot of mixtapes for myself. I, I remember some of the first things I bought, like, I don't know, I'm old, so it's like hard for me to remember what the first, first, first thing was, but... I remember owning, like, if you remember when they had singles of, like, cassette tapes, so you'd have, like, one song on the one side <laughs> and then the, the song on the reverse. So, like, I remember buying the, the um, Brian Adams Robin Hood single or whatever. Nice. So, Everything I do, you know, so. <laughs> and then... Um, And then probably, like, for the first, like, real legitimate, well, I don't know, I I, I hesitate to use the word legitimate, but I I remember buying a Nelson after the rain, because I was, like, all (laughs) the Nelson. So I figured, like, people are going to, like, laugh their asses off about that. But I, I remember that. That was probably one of the earliest things I could think of buying as far as music goes. As far as concerts, it's not that much better. I had a girlfriend at the time, and she pretty much dragged me to a Dwight Yoakam concert, which I don't really care too much for country music, but, you know, it was like I just went. But it was kind of interesting, the dichotomy, because the very next concert I went to that was without her, because I wasn't with her by that point anymore, was a Green Day concert. So it was like totally like two different worlds as far as concerts go. It's like the Dwight Yoakam one. It's like you were in an amphitheater. You sat down on seats and you were like watching him from a stage. Whereas like the Green Day concert was kind of like, I was like, oh, there's nowhere to sit. We're just going to mosh around with a bunch of people. And like, you know, people just ran around and like there's mud flying and all kinds of crazy shit going on and stuff like that. And like, so it was kind of like, you know, everybody kind of got sweaty and you know basically like ran into each other and did a bunch of crazy punk shit so it was like two totally different kind of concert things or whatever but that that'd probably be my my earliest you know albums and concert going experiences
3: which event did you prefer
1: I think I, at the time, I, I probably preferred going to the Green Day one, because uh, at least that was kind of like, I, I remember listening to a lot of alternative radio stations at the time, like, when when I was, you know, it was like, I listened to stuff like Nirvana and stuff like Foo Fighters, and, you know, I mean, because before that, I probably listened to a lot of, like, glam rock, you know? Yeah. Like Warrant and, you know, Poison and you know, stuff like that, Guns N' Roses, or, you know, I don't know, people go, Guns N' Roses and glam rock, but, you know, like, stuff like that. <laughs> I listen to, like, rock and roll and stuff, and then, you know, but some a lot of it was kind of glam rock type stuff, and then eventually, like, I kind of listened to, you know, more alternative type stuff, because I wasn't, I, I didn't really care too much for country, and I didn't really care too much for rap, so that was kind of what I sort of settled into, and then, you know, lately it's kind of been, I don't know. I I don't really care too much for popular music, I'd say. But I I remember when you you told us about that new Foo Fighters album, I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, I I do like stuff like, you know, Ben Folds and Weezer and stuff like that. Like, I I think that music is pretty cool. But lately, all I've been doing is listening to, like, old big band music from, like, the, you know, it's like the 30s and 40s and stuff like that. So Uh I'm kind of weird like that. But I, I just like listening to, like, older stuff now.
3: Have you uh, checked out um, Brian Wilson's Reimagined Skirtswim? Mm-mm. It's really good. You might like okay. it, your big band stuff. So. Oh, cool. Okay,
1: so I guess, I, did did you have anything to follow up with Brian for the, the music?
3: Well, a couple quick questions. I was curious if anyone, like, um, going off their first album, like, actually still likes that type of music. The first album I bought, you know, was Michael Jackson's Bad, and I still really actually dig that album. wondered if everyone else did as well
1: i i can speak for for uh having i remember buying michael jackson's history album because i I thought it was a cool collection of the greatest hits and stuff like that Um, you still did the first album
3: you bought though of your music I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say
1: i listen to brian adams every day or anything <laughs> i won't i won't go out of my way to say like i hate it or anything like like i, I remember being into that because it was like piano and at the time i you know i played the piano pretty regularly so like i got like the sheet music and kind of learned how to play the the song on the piano and all that kind of stuff you know so it was like i was i was into it enough to try and you know learn the music so i i can't say that i dislike you know, the music or anything uh, as far as Nelson goes, like, yeah, I kind of laugh and look at like old music videos of me, like lip singing to poison and Nelson and kind of like think, ah, you're funny, you know, like whatever, like it's kind of <laughs> amusing. So yeah, I probably wouldn't listen to that stuff today or anything, but yeah, I mean, you know, it was the, you know, I'm not going to deny. I was like, I, I was hip to it at the time or whatever.
0: I've still got a bunch of weird owl songs and the touch and dare on my iPod. So
2: what about you, Justin? I still like Green Day, not as much as I did then. I don't. know. I guess I kind of grew out of them a little bit, but uh, I still really dig Nirvana. I got their uh, with the Lights Out box set a few years uh-huh. ago. I really like that, and you know, I I still love the Foo Fighters. You know, when uh, when you let us know they were streaming the new, the newest album, I went and listened to it, and that it's a really great album. Yeah, and it, uh, it feels a lot more in tune with like some of their earlier like kind of harder stuff. So I really dig it.
3: Yeah. I noticed when I went to see Thor last weekend, they used like uh, the single rope from the Foo Fighters, yeah. like
1: two or yeah. three places. Yeah, it was like Marvel doesn't have to sue him this, or Foo Fighters doesn't have to sue Marvel this time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got another confession to make.
2: Charles. <laughs> Kids, be sure to watch Wolverine and his amazing friends
1: every week until <laughs> until we cancel it.
2: <laughs> We've been trying to contact you for days, Wolverine. Where have you been?
1: Somewhere cold. So we've talked about music and, and what some of our early albums and concerts were, and we're going to make a shift over to talking about comics now. And uh, this week we're talking about. Everybody's going to share what what they think is one of the worst comic book events they've ever had to, like, sort of subject themselves to. And then, uh, you know, maybe we want to discuss a little bit – I know there's been some discussion about this in the fan community over whether comic events are a benefit – or a detriment to comics, I mean, I, I just share that, you know, some of the earliest things that got me into the larger DC and Marvel universes were event comics because, you know, that, that's kind of how they were initially designed. You know, you, I, you know, I read, like, one chapter of Invasion, and then they tell you, dude, this continues in Captain Atom and Firestorm and Green Lantern and, you know, whatever. And then, you know, you, yeah, you know you're suckered into kind of like, oh, I guess I should buy all these to, you know, know what's next. You know, same thing with like the, I remember with Marvel, it was like the evolutionary war. So they had like all these annuals and things like that. So, so to me, I, I don't necessarily look at it as a, detriment but i know to some people you know they they like you know maybe you know they like reading their batman and then all of a sudden this event shoehorned in and all of a sudden like dark side is you know sticking it up batman's butthole with omega beams and they're like oh what's going on to my batman comics and you know and they feel like it's kind of a detriment to you know whatever story they were you know reading at the time or maybe you know people like their comics to be six issues and then they get a full story and they don't have to go out and read like 20 other titles. You know, I I know a friend of mine who loved Spider-Man and Ghost Rider a lot. And then what killed comics for him was this thing called Rise of the Midnight Suns, where it basically ran through all these, like it was like Ghost Rider and every shitty fucking supernatural Marvel book, that was out at the time so it was like the night stalkers with blade and all these other losers and like, was that was that when
0: morbius was a good guy
1: yeah morbius was part of that as well because he had his own title and then there were, the, the shittiest book of the bunch was this book called the dark hold which was basically like i don't know it was like the the bad dr strange book or something you know it was like it was like imagine like the one ring from lord of the rings but it's a fucking book and, like, you know, and Doctor Strange is the one who, like, supposedly was supposed to protect it. But then they made a whole separate fucking comic book for this stupid fucking book. And that, of course, was part of, you know, that rise. You know, so it's like the thing was my my friend liked Ghost Rider. But he's like, wait, you mean I got to read all this other shit to, like, understand what's going on? So to to him, it killed him as a reader because eventually he couldn't, you know, handle it anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just start off with, with Mike. Can you tell us about maybe a, a comic book event that maybe you, you know, thought was like one of the worst ones you had to sort of read and sit through? Or, you know, and, and if you think, you know, what what your thoughts are on if you think, you know, did some events introduce you to a larger tapestry? Or, you know, are, do you prefer, you know, your events to be a little more consolidated and not, you know, not kind of overexert your buying and, you know, habits and kind of like I described with my friend where it's too much for him, so.
0: I picked, the comic event I picked as the worst one I've probably ever had to subject myself to was Spider-Man The Other. Months and months ahead of time, Marvel was hyping this and, you know, it was the usual, this will change Spider-Man's world forever until we change it forever again, you know but they only released the title which was you know the other and everyone was speculating you know, oh, maybe maybe it means, like, the other Spider-Man. Like, maybe Ben Reilly's coming back. Oh, that'd be awesome. And, like, some people were like, oh, maybe the other refers to, like, the symbiote. So maybe he's going to bond with the symbiote costume again. Unfortunately, it was neither of those or anything that would have remotely been interesting or cool. It was Marvel giving Joe Straczynski another chance to do his stupid mystical spider totem crap. And uh, that was a pretty big disappointing blow to many many spider-man fans you know and it, it i i decided to, to start buying it because that led off on um, peter david's new uh friendly neighborhood spider-man book yeah which, I, I recall. yeah so i was like okay well like i'm gonna be buying this book so i might as well buy this whole stupid crossover and maybe i'll like like you know want to pick up amazing again but it didn't end up being like that 'cause I was like you know I kind of dipped in and out of amazing and I like Straczynski, i i I thought he had great characterization, but I didn't like his like concepts for for spider man and he he was pretty bad with continuity, so I just kinda dipped in and out. And I kind of thought, like, all this this the Spider-Totem crap was wrapped up already with, like, uh, what's-his-face, Ezekiel, like, his, like, new mentor in this Spider-Totem crap world. He he sacrificed (laughs) himself and died for Peter, like, and I was like, okay, well, that's the end of it, good. But I guess it (laughs) wasn't the end of it. So anyway... I start picking up the thing, and strike one, uh, some of the chapters are going to have Pat Lee's art on them. So I'm like, (laughs) you know, and this is like right after Pat Lee sunk Dreamwave almost. So this is like a year after that, I think. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be supporting this douchebag, so I'm not buying those chapters. So I kind of like burn-stole those chapters, and fortunately... Or, or, or I don't know how you want to put this, fortunately or unfortunately, those parts had very little to do with anything. So those were the most pointless parts of the crossover. So at least there was that. Another strike against it, Reginald Hudlin was writing Spider-Man at that time. It's yeah. My favorite writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he was writing like a good third of that crossover. And the first time I read his issues, I was like, okay, you know, his characterization is all off the mark and i've never really been a fan of his writing either you know there's this there's that one scene that really annoys me in the other like in one of the first chapters that that he writes where like Luke Cage and Spider Woman are talking, and they're like they they act like total like like they haven't been paying attention to anything that's been going on in their lives like for the past like co- few years in comic book time they're like oh uh, who's that old woman with like Peter oh I think she's his mom or something and I was like don't you live in the tower you know with the <laughs> Avengers like don't you know who Aunt May is like do they just assume like he calls his mom aunt may or something <laughs>
1: no he's like he's like yo that's the old bag the butler's been banging <laughs> yeah <I don't> <laughs>
2: and
1: and and then Naughty
0: they're
2: nervous. like
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but, but you know, then they're like, there was that subplot going on where like someone saw Mary Jane going into Avengers Tower, so like they like the paparazzi were all like, oh, Tony Stark's like seeing Mary Jane Parker on the side or whatever, and like Spider Woman and Luke Cage are like, oh, do you think that's true? And Luke Cage is like, oh yeah, it's Tony. Like people like Stark have like bitches on the side and all that, and yeah, that's what's happening. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, isn't Luke Cage and like Peter Parker like best? bros now, like, ever since Bendis started writing them? Like, this doesn't seem like something, like, you know, Luke Cage would, like, do, or, you know, he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't speculate about it, and he wouldn't, like, revel in, like, Peter Parker's apparent misfortune. So that really was a sour note to me. The characterization is, like, totally invalidated by all the other parts where, you know, Spider-Woman, Jessica, and Luke Cage are, like, you know, doing everything they can to help Peter, so it's, like... It seemed like a very odd scene to put in there. I also wanted to mention like the whole villain of this arc was the return of uh, what's his face of stupid Morlin or uh, Straczynski's new pet villain who is super powerful and super awesome. And we don't need to explain anything about him because he's super powerful and awesome. And like, they don't like he comes back. They never explain why he's come back. Or if this is even, like, the same Moreland as the one that died, like, in Straczynski's first arc, like, he's just back. They don't say anything. And uh, he kills Spider-Man, and he rips out Spider-Man's eye, and he eats it. And, you know, I kind of felt like that (laughs) one act was more, like, gratuitous than the whole of Maximum Carnage. And Maximum Carnage was pretty gratuitous, so I was like, okay, well, this is not... This is not good. We're only at the midway point, and I'm already, you know, to take your to use a phrase you usually use, Derek. I'm already kind of butt hurt here, and we're only like at issue five of this twelve issue waste of time, you know. And
1: it's funny I haven't I haven't read the other in a long time, but now that you you start mentioning all this stuff, like I, I had in the back of my head, like I remember reading all of Peter David's run, you know, and kind of liking his handling of, you know, he at least included some supporting characters and friendly neighborhood. But then now that you're mentioning, like, all the kind of stuff where you're hitting all the points, I'm like, oh, yeah, he got his eye ripped out. Like, I told you, know, it's like you, you know, you, like, block certain things from your memory because you just want to remember them. It's like, you know, if I had to explain to somebody why I hated, you know, uh, the prequels, it's like, well, I haven't seen them in, like, 10 years. So it's like I'd have to watch them again. And then you're sitting there going, oh, yeah so bad you know like well i was going to speaking of
0: maximum carnage you know maximum carnage is you know pretty gratuitous and awful but it's also unlike the other i can read maximum carnage and like have fun you know it's like reading a giant game of final fight kind of like uh you know spider-man fights this guy and he gets an ally and then he loses that ally then he goes to the next stage and fights this guy and he gets another ally You know, the other is this big, long, boring, pretentious, inconsistent piece of crap, so, and Maximum Carnage at least is fun, so it has that, but, and anyway, you know, then the whole thing for the other is Spider-Man gets reborn with new powers, like, um, Night Vision, yeah, he gets Night Vision, and, and something else, I forgot, because they never use any of these powers ever again. Didn't,
1: didn't he get those, uh, the stingers from the other after yeah, that, too, that nice. they never used? Did, that, was, that was the main thing. He got, like, the bone
0: claws, like the stingers. And, like, again, no one but Peter David ever used those again. And, like, Peter David at least, like, made them make sense in his book and stuff. Like, they only came out when he was fighting the other and that's another thing. Like the other what turned out to be like Peter's like dark side or something manifested as a swarm of spiders.
1: And wasn't it th- wasn't it like like there was some kind of like cocoon or something or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And it, I don't know what it, I don't I don't I haven't read it in a while.
0: Like I haven't read it since it came out. Like I had to do a little researching again just to remember what I why i was like puking every month because it's
1: like if if eric larson makes fun of venom as you know my old clothes are attacking me you know like well it's even worse if like oh my discarded cocoon is attacking me (laughs) i wanted to i
0: wanted to bring up though the year before that oh uh, no it must have been a couple years before that but there was that really awful paul jenkins story where Spider Man mutated into a giant spider, gave birth to oh, himself. yeah, 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 then, yeah. And then he came out and he had the organic webbing, and he could talk to bugs now.
1: Yeah, because wasn't that the one where like he he like you know like would ting his webbing, and then he'd be like, I hear everything that's going on with my webbing. Yeah, <laughs> something like
0: that. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like, well, wait,
1: what? I I just
0: thought it was weird, and a lot of people mention this that like all through the other, they never even mention like that his his or his webbing is organic now. Like you think you like that'd be an important. Like it would tie in somehow. Like you know all these things are happening to me. I wonder if they're all like connected. But they don't even like mention it. Like even if it's stupid, I'd still like
1: to see you know. It's a big, like, elephant in the room. Well, it's something that they could build on. I mean, exactly. if the direction they're yeah. going in, if but they're they... going to have them have, like, weird stingers coming out of his arms, they might say, oh, hey, remember when I – when I got organic webbing, this must have been a step in in that direction or something.
0: Yeah, it's. I was gonna say the, Peter David though. He said some really funny stuff about like his whole run on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man and like uh, in regards to the other. Like it, it's like after he took on this assignment and like after the other was done. He was, like, assuming, oh, well, I guess the other is going to be, like, this big villain for the year and whatever, so I wonder, like, who's going to write him next. So, like, he asked, like, the editing staff, and I was like, so where's the other going to pop up next? And they were like, uh, I don't know. where We we, haven't, we don't have any plans for it. And, and Peter Day was like, well, uh, okay, well, we just had, like, this massive three-month crossover dedicated to him. Uh, could 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 I use the other? And they were like, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so like Peter David eventually, <laughs> Peter David eventually like wrote like the other into Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man and uh, made her a te- Made it a her and made her a teacher. She she went out with Flash Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Miss Arrow uh, made her a teacher at Peter's school and actually kind of not. I I wouldn't say redeemed her, because I still think she's a pretty lame villain, but, you know, made her, like, you know, tolerable, at least, and, you know, made her make sense. So that that was cool. And, like, same thing, Peter David has also, like, told funny stories about, like, Civil War, like, the era of Civil War, and, like, how... He'd be like, oh, this is, you know, Peter revealing his identity. Oh, this is like a great, uh, you know, opportunity to see how, like, all of Peter's, like, supporting cast will react to this. And, like, he went to editorial was like, so who's going to handle, like, you know, uh, P- like Betty Brant and Jonah Jameson finding out and how they're going to interact with Peter? And, like, he's like, an editorials like, "Uh, we don't know. We didn't think of that. And, even, like, Peter is <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> could I do it then? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? Go ahead. So, like, Peter David ended up, like, writing the scene where Betty, like, confronts Peter after finding out the truth, and, like, where Jonah confronts Peter after finding out the truth, and, you know, they turned out to be pretty good comics, but, you know, I just...
1: Marvel editorial on the ball. ball. Exactly.
0: It just just seems to me like a a, kind of revealing glimpse in how, like, you know, out of touch they were, still are, probably. I guess, you know, they wanted to change Spider-Man forever, and until, like, the next time they... Like I said, until the next time they changed Spider-Man forever. And it was totally... It ended up being totally pointless because, you know, right after that was Civil War, which led into, you know, Spider-Man selling his marriage to Mephisto. And then he lost all the, the, like, powers and, like, the whole mystical Spider-Man totem destiny crap that JMS had been, you know, stroking off to for, like, almost his entire run, so... It, it this is like the other is just totally pointless to me, basically. The, I I, my theory is that JMS kinda pitched this to like Quesada and Quesada was probably like I, I bet Quesada had been asking JMS over and over again, you know, we want to get rid of the marriage. Can we can we you know, can we write that story? And JMS must have been like, I don't know And you know, maybe <laughs> JMS was like, Can I can I maybe do more of my mystical spider totem crap? And Quesada was like, How about if we give you an event? or something about that. And then later we can do the erase the marriage story. And JMS must have been like, Yeah, okay, we can we can do that if I get a whole event for my mystical spider totem crap. So yeah, okay. So that's that's kinda like my line of thinking in regards to that. But yeah. Okay, well that's my choice, the other
1: Cool, cool. And then like as far as like on the whole, like, I mean the even though like we were sharing our worst experiences. Oh, yeah. That's right. yeah. Do you think that comic events, like, are there things that have been a benefit to you that introduced you to a a greater tapestry, or are there things that, you know, you think like, oh, you know what, I think this is a detriment, like, I should just be able to follow friendly neighborhood and not have to buy all these... You know, shitty, regilin, hudlin books to uh, keep up with it or whatever.
0: There are are some things that spring from these events that, like, a a lot of elements that I like, but it's mostly all the side things. Like, the event itself usually doesn't do crap for me. Like, you know, Civil War, like, it gave us, like, you know, stuff like the Initiative, which I loved. And, you know, like, uh, what's it, Dark Reign and stuff gave us, like, Avengers Academy, which I love. And, you know, it's it's mostly offshoot stuff, which I like from these events, but not anything from, like, the main event. So the main, I think Marvel needs to work on making their main events actually matter a little more. Because, you know, I always feel like when Bendis writes them especially, it's like he's giving the main event as written by him is like this weird like outline of a story with pretty pictures and like you get the actual story
1: in all the tie-in books. No, that's, I think that's, I mean, to me, I've never been a big fan of things like House of M or Secret Invasion, you know, stuff like that. So I I know we've already sort of discussed Bendis in the past, but yeah, I mean, I kind of concur with some of those ideas of of the side stories kind of having little hidden gems in the rough among kind of like, you know. All these, you know, lumps yeah. of coal. I guess, you know, lumps of coal. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So so uh, we'll we'll move on, and then we'll we'll ask Brian about this. If if there was a comic book event, like what was one of the worst comic book events he's ever read, and and you know the kind of the same pitch. You know, if you think events are a benefit or a detriment.
3: Well, yeah. Being a big Spider Man fan, actually, the two events I was going to mention were going to be the other Animax and Maximum Carnage. The only thing I can really add to Maximum Carnage, of why I disliked it, would be one, Shriek, and two, the fact (laughs) that it lasted, like, 14 issues. I don't know. As a kid as grown up, it wasn't bad reading Spider-Man, like, crossovers, because most of the time it was a crossover into other Spider-Man books, so it wasn't a problem. But Maximum Carnage is the first one I remember reading in, like, I don't know, maybe, like, four or five issues into the 14. It was like, uh, this is dragging on a little bit, and I'm not really digging it anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I remember, like, by the time you, you know, it's like, it, it reminds me of, like, you know, Frieza or something, like, where it's like, oh, is he dead yet? Is he dead yet? I right. like, feel that way about, like, Carnage, because it's like, oh, okay, did the super wacky rainbow gun kill him? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I think it did, I think it did. And then, like, by the end of it, you're like, wait, okay, me we, we've all captured him. And then they had to do that, like, Spider-Man Unlimited, where it's, like, just Spider-Man and Venom against Carnage
3: mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, by, like, Christ. the third time at that point.
1: Yeah. You're like, come on, dude, like, end this shit already. But what about what about uh, all the random and wacky guest stars? It it seemed like anybody (laughs) who didn't have a high selling book at the time sort of got shoehorned into that where it's like, oh, Cap kinda of selling low. Let's stick him in the title. Oh yeah, Iron Fist and oh yeah. You know, and, and maybe being a fan of the New Warriors, since it actually sort of makes logical sense that they would get Firestar. I mean, were you were you happy to see her? Do you think it's a waste of her character?
3: Um right? I think that was before I was a huge New Warriors fan. I'm trying to remember which came first. But uh it, it certainly didn't make like a huge impression on me. I did yeah. like Mike's comparison to like a final fight game or something. <laughs> yeah. Where it seemed like he'd get a he'd get a team up for an issue and then like you know captain america wouldn't care about you know mass murder the next issue or something so <laughs> he, he's like i, I hope that just... for a couple hours spidey See you well, later. I, I,
0: I love there's like there's like a part in max maximum carnage when like i forgot it's like cloak and dagger and black cat and morbius are all like fighting all the rioters and stuff and right. like They're getting overwhelmed, and, like, who should swoop in but Nightwatch? (laughs) Like, Nightwatch will come and help, and they're like, who's that guy? It's Nightwatch. And then, like, Nightwatch and Morbius, like, go hunt down Carnage and try to, like, kid beat him, but they can't, so then they leave. And then, like they disappear for the rest of the arc.
1: It's like they, they, they that was their way of like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Hey, go buy Nightwatch, kids. You know, as it if looks that. Looks just to like happen. Spawn. Like, yeah, and we're too it's, busy. It's we're too cool. busy reading how cool Spawn is to buy it's, your. His Nightwatch. only
2: weakness is bullets. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, if anything uh, good came out of Mexican Carnage*, I guess it was the uh, the Super Nintendo game that was pretty decent
1: yeah Yeah. well that seems to be a prime driving force for some of these things right because they want to have tie-ins you know whether even like the death of superman had like a tie-in video game and stuff yeah like that. i think and i that, like that one and, too actually and for for like i know I, i've never gotten to play this but i remember for galactic storm apparently there's some arcade game from japan but i've never it's like a fighting game or something but yeah so it seems like there were lots of other underoos, you know tie-ins with that that kind of stuff that was going the on maximum carnage uh
0: cartridge was red that's hardcore man yep, you yes,
1: know? it is hardcore and 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 man, there were lots of uh thugs that were rioting you know all in their <laughs> same purple shirts and yellow shirts and and so on and so forth like <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah.
2: The kingpin was behind that. He was like, all right, guys, we're going to take advantage of this. We're going to loot the city, and we're going to do it as a team. I want to see everybody in purple shirts and yellow purple boots. Get,
1: get, Color-coordinated thuggage. The yellow guys, they all ransack the TVs. The, the purple shirt guys, they get all of the cash registers. Yeah. um, Well, yeah, I kind of make fun of, like, that era of 90s Marvel crossovers. I mean, it seemed like all the events, you know, not just Maximum Carnage, were all 14-part crossovers. I mean, I guess, thankfully, with Spider-Man, like you're saying, they were all Spider-Man books. But with some of them, you know, it's kind of like – I mean, I I genuinely like uh, Operation Galactic Storm. But, you know, it tied into all the Avengers books, whether it was, you know, Cap, West Coast – Quasar, you know, whoever was an Avenger at the time was part of Wonder Man, you know, all those books. So it was like, it's like they tried to take, you know, top selling books, whether it be like Ghost Rider or whatever, and then kind of tear it out into, you know, probably other lesser selling titles like Morbius and Night Stalkers and all that kind of stuff. So like, you know, most of those were kind of questionable content at the very least, you know, you know, it, it, it was more done to, you know, kind of pump out as much you know it seemed like they were trying to pump out a bunch of books rather than tell tell something that was a genuine event i suppose
3: yeah um like with fall of the mutants i remember thor gets like a legitimate issue where he goes down into the uh, morlock tunnels and he ends up saving angel but just this re- week like either yesterday or the day before i was reading some old daredevil comics i had and one was like fall of the mutants tie-in and i was like oh yeah. cool i'll read this and like i, I kid you not it's a single panel of, like, the X-Factor ship, like, flying through the sky. And that was the only <laughs> reference to all the Mutants in the whole book. I was like, oh, awesome. Like,
1: Check it out. It's ship. Sweet. Woo. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always kind of like those stinkers like that where they try to, you know, they're trying to pull a fast one kind of like, you know, maybe the way they used to make covers in the old days where they're trying to get you all excited. And it's like, oh, no, uh, Captain America, you know, is getting thrown off a hill and there's like spikes that are gonna impale him, and then you you know read the actual issue and it's really you know a rubber toy set or something or you know <laughs> yeah. whatever. Or is. Captain America stubbed his toe. Yeah, so so how about you, Justin? I mean, is there is there uh, or I guess I, I maybe I skipped over, but but Brian, do you think some of those crossovers were a detriment to you or a benefit, like? how do you um, those in general like even maybe today you
3: know I can see like where your friend's complaint was coming from like you know he could have been um a big X-Men fan and then he saw that Daredevil issue and he's like well you know I can't miss a tie into the story I got to pick it up or I'm going to miss something important and then he wastes you know two or three bucks on an issue he doesn't care about but now with like trades and stuff where it's like so easy to collect the entire story at once I really don't think it's as much of a detriment as it used to be where you had to like hunt down every single issue. No,
1: no, no. That's, that's definitely fair enough. Yeah. I, the the interesting thing about the trades though sometimes is I know that, you know, some people are always kind of like, well, how do I read this trade? You know, like what order should I go in and do I need to read it this way or that way? Like sometimes I see the way they collect things and, and you're kind of like, oh, well maybe you should read like the first two issues of this and then read another trade for two issues. And I'm like, well, that's kind of, confusing you know i yeah. guess people would get annoyed with that you know but yeah okay and then i guess you know yeah so we'll, we'll move on to justin who now has a uh, a picture of captain america on his little icon in front of me so we'll, we'll move on to justin cap and see what he thinks about what what is one of the worst comic book events he's read and whether he thinks events are a benefit or a detriment to comics in general well, for
2: worst comic event, I picked uh, Final Crisis from DC. That's probably the one that I hate the most and that gave me the most frustration when I was trying to read it, you know, month to month. But, you know, like like some of you guys have said, some really good stuff actually came out of that. Like we got the Legion of Three Worlds. I thought that was really good, and that led to the ongoing Legion series um, that I've been following. We also got the Flash Rebirth, which I thought was a pretty good miniseries, and, you know, it brought Barry Allen back, and I always – Kind of like Barry Allen a little bit. But yeah. Wally West. <laughs> Don't be hating. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember being like really excited for Final Crisis because, uh, you know, they, they teased us with it for for a long time with some images, you know, like, like oh, Red Robin is going to be involved and, you know, somebody might die and it looks like, you know, there's some kind of battle like the Statue of Liberty's been knocked over and maybe something's going on with Batman or whatever. And, it just—it didn't really make a lot of sense. Even if you go and read all the tie-in books, it it still doesn't really make any sense at all to me.
1: Um, it seems—I mean, I'll back you up on that, and and I know some people, you know, will will go into tirades about how people just don't understand Grant Morrison, and I, I don't think it's because you are, and I are idiots and we don't understand Grant Morrison. But I mean, everybody should be able to acknowledge that there's a clear editorial miscommunication <clears throat> where, you know, they, they obviously didn't tell people what Morrison's script was going to be when they had these guys make the the countdown to final crisis, because otherwise they wouldn't have used all the new gods and all this other stuff. You know, I mean, it just seemed like they either reiterated or did their own version of what Morrison ended up doing in his story. Like the stuff with Mary Marvel seemed to be a, uh, recycling of ideas or you know like and you just kind of wonder well don't you guys talk to each other you know like why would you you know it, it'd be kind of like I, I i if we were all writing a comic story and i didn't bother to tell you that you know i'm gonna have the incredible hulk punch magneto you know And then all of a sudden, you know, Justin's like, well, actually, uh, I'm going to have the Incredible Hulk in outer space, and he's going to punch the Silver Surfer. And it's like, and then we both write it, and it's like, of course people are going to be confused. You know, like one thing leads into another, and it kind of seems all kind of jumbly and, you know, but, but, you know, on the plus side of it, like you're saying, I did like the the legion of three worlds stuff that came out and you know there there are some gems like i i I thought the superman beyond stuff was kind of interesting i enjoyed that as a superman fan and seeing all the kind of funky morrison versions of superman whether they be kind of like you know dr manhattan guys or you know shazam or captain marvel or whoever they were you know in that little side story i guess
2: See, I never could even find Superman Beyond. I remember reading one of the issues of Final Crisis, and it was like, you know, to be continued in Superman Beyond in 3D. I was like, wait, Superman Beyond? Is this going to be like Batman Beyond? Okay, well, I guess I got to read this and try and find it. I went to like three different comic stores within like you know a week, and I was like, hey, do you guys have Superman Beyond? They're like, no, we only ordered like three issues and sold out, but you're like the 20th person who's been in there asking for it. (laughs) Like, <laughs> well, it, it, seemed, it seemed
1: like it was an essential reading point if you wanted to know what the hell was going on with just, I'm not talking about like editorial miscommunication of stuff doesn't match, but like just to understand Final Crisis in and of itself, it seems like you needed to buy that, the, the couple one shots, like what was it, like resist and submit. And then Superman Beyond, and I think I remember reading like so. I, I think it was one of the posters on Bat Talk was eventually you know going to buy a trade, and I was kind of like they didn't include super, you know like I was like wait what huh like shouldn't they have that with the main story? But they don't, so I was kind of like well that's kind of odd, you know.
2: And just like what what's going on in Final crosses itself, the miniseries, it just seemed like it was really jumbled. There was like some stuff you know like you said with M- Mary Marvel like I didn't like what they were doing with her character and you know she looked completely ridiculous too but it just it didn't make any sense to me I didn't really care for it and they were doing all this crazy stuff with like the new gods and you know like wasn't talking Tony there like there was something with like the tiger people or something I was like what is going on yeah. in this comic book
1: Yeah it was it was kind of like he was trying it, it was like he was trying to sort of somehow do his version of of Kirby stuff but somehow like almost as a prequel in a weird way, you know, like, yeah. it like, it was like, this is how talking tawnies were made or something stupid. Or you're just like, dude, it's just a fucking talking tiger. Like, it's just Command-y or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, you know? like, it's not like, you know, rocket science. It's just Jack Kirby was like, dude, I'm going to do Planet of the Apes and then pretend I never saw the movie, you know, like, you know, like, that was always kind of my take on you know, commandy. but then like they, they were trying to make like a big thing of it, whether it was in countdown or, or uh final crisis. So, I mean, I don't know. Some people are like, Oh, you don't see the layers and the beauty and the blah, 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 and all this stuff. And all I, meanwhile, I'm just like, dude, explain to me, You know, which eventually Morrison, I don't know if they forced him to write the story or what, but I was like, just explain to me how Batman gets exploded in a fucking helicopter and then shows up later in Final Crisis to get Omega beamed in the fucking face later on. You know, like, that's all I want to know, because otherwise it doesn't make any damn sense to me. And then, like, I remember reading the whole, like, eventually, like, they had a, you know, like extra Batman issues where they're like, find out how he swam to shore and... Eventually <laughs> to find out how he survived like, that death so I'm we like, could die I'm like, again. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, like, I, I didn't understand the whole point of... Uh, like, to me, like, I, I remember R.I.P., you know, really bugged me like the end of it because they were trying to like sell it as like the death of batman and then all it was was him like jumping out of an exploding helicopter you know and it's like oh he's really gonna die in final crisis where you know like uh dark side's gonna omega beam him when he doesn't really die and goes quantum leaping you know and you're just kind of like oh okay okay whatever you know i mean all the people like oh he didn't you know i don't know people got mad but i'm kind of like well you can see at the end of the issue he's clearly in you know in 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 a cave, still alive somewhere, so you know
2: but yeah i, I got really frustrated with it, and then uh, when it was time to go by that last issue i was I was telling my friend about how I was getting really frustrated with it and it wasn't making any sense so but I was standing at the comic book store with my friend, and I was just kind of st- standing there staring at the comic you know the last issue of final crisis, and I was just like uh, I don't I don't want to buy this, but I've already put a lot of money into Final Crisis, and so he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, isn't that the last issue you need? Aren't you going to buy it? And I just kind of looked at it, and I was just like, huh, yeah. I ended up buying it, and it still didn't make any sense.
1: You know what? You know what's interesting about that, too, is that they, they don't really – it's like there, there were ideas he put down, but it, it seems like the ideas didn't correspond with anything that came before, and they haven't corresponded with anything that came after. So it's not like I'm sitting there saying, oh, Grant Morrison has bad ideas. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like some of them might have been interesting ideas or good ideas, but it just doesn't seem like anybody decided to make use of them before or afterwards. If there was some kind of concerted effort to – You know, have in other words, if everybody was actually on the same page, like it's kind of like if you're reading it and you don't understand it, that's one thing. But if you're writing comics that follow up on it and you don't understand it, well, that's a problem. Right. You know, it's kind of (laughs) like it's like if you don't understand what the current status of Aquaman is, well, that's a fucking problem. It's like in Final Crisis, it's like and the mightiest warrior of the undersea has come back and his name is Aquaman, and then like, then like two weeks later, it's like Aquaman's a zombie in uh, Blackest Night, and they're like, oh yeah, fuck you, that didn't happen. That was like totally Aquaman. a different
2: Aquaman, yeah. I, there, there I was Aquaman that was Aquaman of
1: Earth, butt sex, or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> what, like, uh. all right, you know, like, so, so it, it's just kind of like funny stuff like that, you know, and, and I remember there was, there was constant confusion, you know, people were like, are the hawk people dead or are they alive? You know, and you had a bunch of people arguing, Oh no, 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 they died in final crisis. And then it's like, no, 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 they're back in blackest night. It's like, they really died there. You know, and it's like, if you have that much confusion over something, you know, whether, and, and it's not just like people, but, but the actual people writing the stories just seem to actively ignore ideas, you know, whether it be, there's 52 earths or there's an infinite amount of earths. It seemed like the whole point of that. Final Crisis was oh we're back to there being an infinite amount of Earths you know you can have Sunshine Superman and all these wacky ass you know alternate universes to your heart's content and you know nobody's the wiser I mean you know to me I always think it's a double standard where people are like oh Marvel's much more condensed and we can understand it but yet they're Earth six one six and they've got their own 50 billion Captain Britons and and all that stuff. So I'm kind of like, well, it seems all the same shit to me. Like, it's just a matter of what you know, you know, but...
2: As far as, like, crossovers, if they're beneficial or not, personally, I typically enjoy crossovers. There's been a few I hate, you know, but Genesis I thought was pretty terrible, and I completely forgot about that until you brought it up a few months ago on Bot Talk, Derek. Uh, I I can't even
1: remember (laughs) what we were talking about, but... I
2: I totally blocked out that part of my life reading that uh, terrible crossover, but uh, generally I like him. I think I've mentioned this before on a previous show where you know my first big crossover was Executioner's song, and you know at the time I was only reading like X Men and Uncanny X Men, and then I was like, wait, you mean I gotta I gotta find a bunch of other books to figure out what's going on? Well, okay, I guess I'll look for this X Force or whatever it is, and. Uh, as far as if they're beneficial, you know, for the industry. three, I think, you know, overall, yeah. But I think it, it is really irritating when you like the stuff with uh, fear itself, where you've got like so much stuff going on with uh, Bucky Cap, and then they just kind of throw him in there, and like, you know, I don't want to spoil what's going on with that,
1: but they just kind of throw it in there, and they're like, okay, go. I I kind of I, I can agree with you at least I I read because I, I think it was Mike who mentioned to me how. Fear itself had Odin in it, and I was kind of like, "Oh, geez, I wonder how it got back to status quo for, for the movies and stuff like that." And so I read a bunch of Thor comics up until I think the last couple things I read was Fear itself number one, and w- what is it like the Frontline version of Fear itself? Is it called Frontline? Uh, front Front.
2: front. Yeah, yeah. Front.
1: Okay. but it's like you know it was like that Frontline version of things, which I think are dumb, by the way, um, <laughs> or at least they're 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 sanctimonious. Yeah. You know, to, but, but yeah, and, and so I read, you know, and I, I don't care if I'm spoiling it for anybody. I read Speedball getting his <laughs> ass kicked with a baseball bat, and I'm just kind of like, come on, dude. Like, I don't know. It's like, hasn't the poor guy gone through enough? Like, it's like, jeez Louise, man. But,
0: yeah. I was going to say, isn't, um, I'm not following Cap, but isn't, like, Bucky in, like,
2: some Russian
0: prison camp or something yeah. now
2: in his book? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, he's currently in the Russian Gulag. So I was like, wait, I guess I guess all that takes place before Fear Itself, so I guess he's going to escape and then immediately go to Washington,
1: D.C., and, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like,
2: oh, okay, I guess
1: this I, is I actually, I remember, like, I, I know I put the Children's Crusade as one of my favorite Magneto stories that's out, but I, I kind of wondered the same thing, because you could tell they're talking to Steve Rogers, and he's got the cap costume on, so I kind of wondered, well, how does that correspond with, you know, it's, it, it's clearly it, it's not Starkey yeah. that, that it's, they're talking to, but yet it's kind of current era Magneto, you know, that they are. So It
0: started in that time of Marvel and will end in current time of Marvel,
1: kind of. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. When, when,
2: when we started the Children's Crusade, Vicky was with us, but then he had some stuff to do. He had to go to Bill and so then we got Steve, so it's okay.
1: So uh, I'll just uh, I'll throw in my two cents. I mean as far as like benefits or detriments, I, I I don't know that I buy that like I know there's some people that are like events kill comics and like I don't know that I buy that. Like I don't know, maybe things are different when I was reading than they are now, so maybe that's true now. I don't really know. But it seems like anytime there's a big like event type thing, it always gets a sales spike. You know, it yeah. seems like people read these events like I mean I, I don't know, it seems like a false claim to me that that you know events kill comics and and then as far as kind of what i was talking about before with like things like invasion and evolutionary war like before i read those i, I was kind of a you know I, I think for for dc i kind of read what i recognized which was like i think you know superman batman and firestorm or something and then with marvel You know, it was, you know, I I was pretty much reading G.I. Joe and Transformers because they were being published by Marvel at the time. And then I read, like, I started reading all the Spider-Man books because, you know, I watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends. But then, you know, the minute I did Invasion and Evolutionary War, it just, like, opened up a world of, like, who's Captain Adam? What's the Suicide Squad? You know, like, who's Starman? You know, like, who are all these guys and stuff. And like, geez, these guys seem kind of cool. Maybe I should check out what's going on in their books with this alien invasion. And with the evolutionary war, I think it was like the first time I read Avengers. It was like the first time I think I was like, oh, yeah, you know, here's, um, you know, here's Hulk and Punisher and all these guys like I never really, you know, knew about, you know, and it sort of was this you know, thing that spanned into all their annuals and stuff. And I was, you know, reading about Fantastic Four and all these different guys. So to me, it opened up a lot of new worlds to me. And then, I mean, as far as something that I, I really can't stand, the DC Comics event Millennium, and this was like in the the mid 80s, it kind of followed like, the it seemed like the the event stuff went this way. It's like they had I think, like, maybe Marvel had, like, Contest of Champions and Secret Wars or whatever. And then DC's big thing was Crisis. And then, you know, that was really successful. And then after that, I think they did Legends. So then the one they did after Legends, you know, for another summer, you know, like a summer movie blockbuster. It was like a summer annual event type thing. They did this thing called Millennium that was pretty much just focusing on, like, the Guardians of the Universe, like, choosing their successors. And it's kind of like, I, I don't know if you guys remember the, the podcast where Mike talked about how you know, Shockwave ran around in this comic book that he bought that he enjoyed that was a prequel to the Transformers movies, but he ran around and he kind of shot all the really annoying, stupid characters <laughs> from the previous Transformers movies. Well, imagine a whole crossover that's like dedicated to promoting those stupid, dumb, annoying <laughs> characters. Like, that's basically what Millennium was, was it's like, oh, we're going to have the the guys who replaced the Guardians of the Universe. And it became this comic book called The New Guardians. And it was just, it was filled with kind of, like, stereotypical uh, international-type characters and then a couple villains. And then it was like the Florenic Man was one of them. But then somehow along the way they decided, oh, he's going to be good now, so we're going to call him floro you know and i'm just kind of like lame and like you know it it was just kind of like it's kind of like how i always you know make fun of jack of hearts it's like this is like a team full of fucking jack of hearts (laughs) so like and this whole crossover is basically dedicated to promoting those guys and then kind of how i feel about secret invasion it's kind of like millennium was secret invasion before secret invasion you know it's like bendis is like oh isn't this a cool idea I'm kind of like, yeah, I remember it when, like, everybody and their brother was a Manhunter instead of a scroll, because that was the other big angle of Millennium was, you know, all these random supporting cast members. You know, Commissioner Gordon was, you know, talking with Batman one minute and then, like, throwing him out the window and hitting him with a gun butt the next minute because he was a Manhunter. You know, and it's like Lana Lang, like, would bust into the Daily Planet and try to, like, rip off, you know, Clark Kent's shirt. But luckily, I don't know, his suit was in the dry cleaners or something dumb, so she just, you know, basically, you know, uh, uh, rips open a shirt and you see Superman's hairy Kryptonian chest or whatever. And luckily his secret is safe, but, like, meanwhile, you know, Lana Lang is really a manhunter, you know, and so all these, like, long-time supporting characters were revealed to be either replaced by, you know, robots or were actually somehow always, you know, like, I think it was like Wally West's dad was like, had always been a manhunter. And you're just kind of like, what? You know, like, it was just kind of like a weird kind of, and and I guess the event itself was kind of stifled and boring. So anyway, I won't, I won't bore too many people with that, but that, that was kind of like my basic, you know, kind of thought on it was like, I kind of thought that was kind of a stilted event. And it was interesting because it kind of focused on the Green Lanterns to a degree, whereas other ones, uh, you know, before that, you know, I, you might say, like, some of them are Batman or Superman heavy, or, you know, maybe they're equivalent events where everybody gets some screen time or whatever, but I know my, my, my buddy would always kind of say, oh, yeah, most DC events are about how Superman is the bestest, and he kind of make fun of me, because, you know, I like Superman and stuff like that, and, and to some degree that's true, but I remember there was this funny scene in Millennium where, uh, like, Superman gives some cheesy speech or whatever. But then he comes back in the room a few minutes later, and everybody's cheering for Batman, and he's kind of like, hey now, what are you guys all doing cheering for Batman? And this is kind of before, you know, Batman had all this super fan aura or whatever. He was just like a grumpy asshole or something, and Miller had just done year one, so that's kind of where we were at. And and they were just kind of like, yeah, Batman, you know, took a speedboat in Florida, Everglades, and like blew up a Manhunter hideout. And everybody's like, yay, Batman! And he's kind of <laughs> like, like geez, why are these guys cheering for me? And then Batman has this thought bubble, and he's like, ha, 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 like, I'm, you know, boy, I I, I hate to admit it, but boy, I'm glad they're cheering for me instead of Superman. You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, shit like that, where I'm just kind of like, I don't know, I just thought it was a weird kind of lackluster crossover. I'll give some honorable mentions to The Joker's Last Laugh, which was a really atrocious crossover, where basically, like, every fucking tie in title had to have some guy with, you know, Joker face venom and acting like insane. So it's like, you know, random people would be like, Oh no, the Spectre's poisoned by the Joker and now he's laughing like a lunatic <laughs> or yeah, you know, whatever was, stuff happened. That was pretty bad. It just basically, like, ran through, like, every single title. So it's like, you know, I, I think, like, you know, I remember Peter David's like, oh, wait, so now I have to, like, throw in some random thing where young Justice you know, are running around, like, with, you know, Joker faces for no reason and all this stuff. I think it was, like, Superboy, like, had a Joker face or something, if I remember right. But, I you know, it's like, I don't know, it was kind of cheesy. So that's an honorable mention for that. And, yeah, we, we, we kind of got our little hate on. I guess that was our, you know, uh, haters segment on fan holes for uh, worst comic book events ever. But on the whole, I mean, I, I think we can all agree that there's some, some definite benefits to, you know, to getting exposed to the greater tapestry of a, of a comic universe and stuff. Sergeant. Sergeant, it's Mason. Unable to
3: maintain radio contact.
0: We've got to get to the terraformer.
1: And so uh, our next topic is in the realm of video games. There is a uh, new Red Faction video game that's going to be released on PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, and Microsoft Windows in June uh, of this month. It's called Red Faction Armageddon. And I guess we're just going to talk about it for a little bit. Uh, I I think there were three previous games before for, I think, I think Brian had said he had played some games on the PS2 for maybe the original Red Faction. you want to tell us a little bit about your experience playing the game and if you have any thoughts on the the new upcoming game?
3: Sure. Yeah, my first experience was on PlayStation 2. I got Red Faction, and at the time it was like one of my favorite like first-person shooter games Like to even start with. Like, uh, I played GoldenEye before that, but it didn't make quite the impression that Red Faction did. The reason it was so cool was uh, it had a good storyline, kind of like a sci-fi bent, but on also some like weird experimental stuff, like the science on Mars was doing. So that was kind of cool too. The big new innovation of the title was this feature called like Geo-modding. and for the first time, you could actually like um, deform like the landscape around you, like in the levels. Most of the levels were like inside, like in tunnels and mines, and you were a miner. Then you could like build open holes and create tunnels and stuff. So that was, that was the first time you could ever do that. It was really innovative and cool. My next, ex- I guess there was a Red Faction too, but I don't think they does like a direct sequel or anything or even barely reference the first one. The next time I played a Red Faction game was on PlayStation 3. It's Red Faction Gorilla. And it, it barely makes mention of the first game, but instead of being able to like deform the land, the big deal with this game was that every like, uh, structure that was like man-made in the game was destructible so it was kind of cool but it also led to some broken gameplay where missions like say the rescue hostages or something you know you could just like instead of actually fighting your way through love you could just blow a hole through the back door and take them out that way and and it's kind of strange that there's actually a movie coming out now because i there's nothing that i ever remember from like any of the games that I, would lend itself, like, story-wise to making a good movie or TV series. Like, uh, yeah. I think the guy's name in Gorilla is Alex Mason. But to sum up the story, you might as well call him, you know, Alex Moses. You know, like, let my people go. Because basically you're just fighting for the freedom of all these workers of Mars, so... I don't know. I tried to
1: do I tried to do some research on it. At the airing of uh, this podcast, the movie will have aired for some time. But as we are recording this, Red Faction Origins is a I guess TV movie that's airing on the Sci Fi Channel. It actually, I believe, Robert Patrick is that character Alex um, Mason, Mason that that you're talking about, and then his. The 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 dude from the the Matt Dillon looking dude from Stargate Universe Justin is is his son, is is the t 1000s son or whatever. (laughs) So so and then I'm I'm, they they were trying to say that it's a it takes place in between Gorilla and Armageddon. Mm -hmm. So I think I think the the lead of of the new game is the grandson of the character in the third game. Who has you know who was played by Robert Patrick in the movie and has a son there? So I guess the Stargate Universe's guy's son will be the guy in the the new game, I think. If if I'm, I mean, I could be wrong, but that that's kind of what I I got out of my my little mini research on the uh, the video game. Right. Um. I I saw what you're saying about the destructible levels and and how you know you could kind of go around plant bombs on things and and blow up the. The, the you know man made structures and stuff like that. It seemed a little like it, uh, I, I've not played any of the Red Faction games, but uh, aside from the destructible type content, it seemed like some of the the gunplay was a lot like a, a game like Gears of War. Yeah, I mean, third
3: person perspective. So
1: yeah. So I mean, and then uh, as far as the story, Mike, you might be interested in it. It, it takes place on Mars, but. I kind of likened uh, the, the the bad guys on it usually are the EDF. So it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, basically like, you know, the Earth people are turned into the bad guys, kind of like the, the, the Titans or the, the Tetons in Zeta. Oh, that's you know? cool. Like, it, it's kind of like how, you know, like, you know, Bright's always getting punched and knocked the crap out of. So this guy, Alex Mason, like, he comes to Mars with his brother and within, like, ten minutes of being anointed a minor it's like they they like slap the shit out of him and they like shoot his brother in the head you know so (laughs) it's like basically you're like oh okay let's go join the resistance and fuck up some edf guys you know like that's kind of what they're you you know selling you with the game and stuff Uh and then the the, the mars angle to me kind of seemed a little bit like like a philip k dick you know kind of like how total recall was based on that kind of stuff it seemed a little like You know, oh, hey, you know, get your ass to Mars, you know, like
0: that. (laughs) So I was going to say, so instead of making fun of his girly name and that gets him to join the resistance, they shoot his brother.
1: Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so he's just like Camille, except for he he doesn't get his name made fun of. Okay. Yeah. No, it's kind of funny, because I I, I sort of questioned, like, it was funny, because I was looking at some, I I looked at some walkthroughs, and then at some point, they're kind of like, you know, they've got the little banner that says, like, better red than dead, because, you know, you're supposed to join the red faction, and then I kind of am, like, looking at it, like, hey, you know, so... But um, I, I was just wondering, does anybody know that much about the the new game? Because I I looked at a walkthrough of it or some kind of review, and uh, the only thing I was kind of confused about, and I I thought maybe Brian might know the answer to this, is it seemed like in the previous games you were constantly, you know, uh, kind of like Gundam is, you're in outer space, you're in a science fiction realm, but it's you know it's human beings fighting amongst human beings in a a political you know scenario. But it seemed like in the 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 review I saw of the latest one, while it still got the third-person kind of Gears of War shooter aspect and then the destructible aspect, it seemed like there were a lot of like creepy creatures and critters like running around. And I kind of thought like, well, where where did those come from? Like, did people start you know colonizing Mars? You know, like did they have other you know weird creatures come to Mars after like? You know so many years I, I just wasn't sure yeah you know what was going on that
3: might actually be a thread they're pulling from the first game um, because like I said like halfway through the first game there's like this doctor that you start running into and he's like doing like weird experiments on minors and like mutating them and then um, um, in gorilla there's like like a third faction like out like there's the EDF there's the miners and then there's this weird like outlander third third faction. Who kind of like worship that doctor, and like you never see that their like bodies are all covered up. But you kind of get the impression they're like mutated and weird too. So it might be like that these creatures in the fourth one now are like some offshoot of like that doctor's research.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So maybe they're not so much aliens as they are like weird kind of aberration, mutation, creepy guys or whatever. Yeah,
3: it might have been hinted at that, that that doctor found like some I don't know Martian hieroglyphics, and he was using that in his research. Okay. Okay. So maybe it's like reborn DNA or something, but I, I, would, I would imagine it's somehow tied to him.
1: So uh, uh, Mike and Justin, like, uh, did you get to see anything from Red Faction? Like, Do you have any thoughts on maybe the, the movie or the, the new games or maybe some of the older games or anything like that?
2: Well, I haven't played any
1: of the games, but uh,
2: the movie looks like it might be pretty interesting. So I'll probably sit down and watch that later tonight or tomorrow
1: maybe. Yeah, I set my I set my DVR to tape it because I think it's actually on as we're recording this, so I figured I'd check it out later because at least it's something, you know, something science fictiony that's actually on the Sci-Fi Channel. So. Yeah. I rented the first game, or maybe it was the second
0: one. I don't know for X the original Xbox. I don't I don't remember playing that often. Like even like I I remember thinking the tunnel was cool. But, you know, I was like, why am I playing this when I could be playing, like, Halo? So I probably just, like, (laughs) set it aside.
1: Yeah.
0: But I'll probably track down the movie, though, once it, yeah, after it airs and uh, watch it. So, I mean, it looks cool. It's, uh, like, like, I play Halo. I like Halo, the Halo universe, and I play Gears of War. I like the Gears of War universe, so this seems very, very similar. So, you know, there might be elements I like in this that I don't like, that I don't like from, like, you know, the others. So, you know, we'll see.
1: Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like people compared this to, to Gears of War or Dead Space. I'm not familiar with Dead Space as much as I am Gears of War, but... They're, you know, it seemed like they, they, you know, I guess, I guess if there are other third-person shooters, you know, I guess the comparisons are natural, I suppose. But it seems like this one with the whole destructible arena has something a, a little different from those games. You know, it's yeah. kind of. I, I thought it was kind of interesting that not only like, you know, it's kind of like if you you blow up a building or something, but you need to rescue hostages. You know, at some points you actually have to recreate like the stairs or something with your. You know, I, I, you know, whatever energy points you get, or something like that, where it's like, oh, you can't actually complete the level unless you sort of rebuild some of the things you, you go, you know, you can't go around smashing everything, or if you do, yeah. you have to re- sort of reconstruct it to to succeed. So I, I thought those aspects were kind of an an interesting addition to uh, to maybe, uh, uh, you know, dare I say, a bland other, you know, third-person shooter.
3: You know? Right, like uh, in Gorilla, you could really screw yourself because you could like take out the stairs and they would have no way to get, like, upstairs without restarting. So, I think mean, that's probably one reason they implemented that. I was going to ask if anyone had seen, like, the special weapon for the new game.
1: I think the the, the thing I saw, I'm not sure if it's a special weapon or not, but uh, the guy made a big deal about using some kind of magnetic gun or something. It's, like, basically he would, you know, it's kind of like your magneto, except for you have a gun where he'd zap the guy, and then he, like like, threw him, like, the guy was Team Rocket or something. You know, like, whoever, you know, it was weird. You know, to me, it was, like, a weird alien creature thing, or, you know, I don't know if I was right. paying that close attention to it, but it was basically, so, like, he's like, check check this out, I'm going to grab the guy with the gun. And I said, oh, okay, he looks like he's kind of electrocuting him. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, check this out. And then, like, and then basically, it was like, Team Rocket's blasting off oh again.
0: So, Derek, Derek, so, like, the counter to that, the magnetic gun would be the wooden gun?
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What what you would do is uh, you would you would secretly swap out a grandson a Mason's gun with uh, with a little wooden gun, and then when he tried to do his destructible stuff and his his toss his team rocket toss, it would be
3: ineffectual. You guys might want to check it out because there's actually a humorous weapon that I'm talking about. Uh, they just released a video of it this week, I believe. Like with Gorilla, your your go-to weapon when you ran out of out rockets and ammunition and stuff was just a sledgehammer that you got like issued as a miner. So uh anytime you ran out of uh, ammo you could go around with that still so knock over buildings. And at that time as a joke, like in one of their pre-renders, they instead of using a sledgehammer, they used like a image of an ostrich, <laughs> like in sledgehammer form. So they called it the ostrich hammer. And everyone thought it was funny, so they ended up actually putting it in the game. And then now for this one to uh one up the ostrich hammer they got this, like, rifle that's in the shape of, like, a My Little Pony guy. It actually farts and shoots, like, rainbows out of its butt stars. and stars. Like, that's what you use to blow stuff up. With. So the, the video's kind of funny if you guys want to check that out.
1: That sounds awesome. That's yeah. cool so everybody uh, go ahead and uh, check out you know red factions Armageddon if it sounds like something you're into and then also keep an eye out I'm sure eventually yeah, even though it's airing on sci-fi tonight either they'll eventually re-air red faction origins or probably you know release it on DVD or you know Netflix it or whatever for the future- Uh, and then uh, our, our final topic for tonight, uh, DC Comics is starting a a relaunch of their entire line. And the extent of this is that there are going to be 52 new titles. They're all going to be restarted with number ones, apparently. And there, we're also going to have date and day release of both the paper, you know, pamphlet-sized comics alongside uh, digital comics that can also be accessed as well. So I guess we're just going to go around and see, you know, what, you know, I, I guess this has been a, a sort of heated topic for people. You know, people are trying to, you know, ascertain, you know, what else the news means. You know, it's been a rumor for a little while and that, and then the news finally broke and people are kind of, you know, e- they're either, you know, interested to see where it goes or some people think it's a big slap in the face to people who have been reading DC for so long. Uh, you know, there's, there's debates over whether it's a reboot or just kind of a, a you know, uh, a relaunch. We know that Bob Wayne has said that you know he he does not consider it a, a reboot. Uh, and let me just see if I can pull up. Justin sent me a, a link here. Let's see. I just want to get what he said here exactly. Don't call it a reboot. Uh, yeah, he's like, don't call this a reboot.
3: Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years.
1: <laughs> he, yeah he says he says uh we know you want more details on the creative teams and their title by title assignments for launch and by the way let me just reiterate this point this is the launch of the new dcu it is not a quote-unquote reboot i think you will soon discover why that is and i think in even the uh, dcu blog at DCComics.com, they always have news there about stuff and and they uh, released a bunch of different descriptions of some of the titles you know they released i think about 10 descriptions and then they released some descriptions for like the new green lantern titles obviously to tie into the movie release and stuff and and when you're looking at it it's like okay well yeah it looks like superman's got a new costume and wonder woman pretty much kind of has the same new costume she had for the last you know six months or whatever it's been, you know, but, uh, you, you, know, you look at some of these other things and it's kind of like, well, yeah, I, I can't see it being a reboot. If you got the justice league international with booster gold and rocket red and guy Gardner and the, the dude from the great 10 and, and all that stuff going on, you know, cause I'm kind of like, well, you know, if you're starting over from scratch, you know, it's like, I, I kind of thought that, that maybe it, it, when I first heard the release, uh, they, they had said originally, you know, Marv Wolfman's idea after they did Crisis, you know, the original Crisis on Infinite Earths was to to do, you know, restart everybody's book from number one and do it all fresh, which I thought would have been really kind of ballsy and cool. But I think I think some like I, I was kind of explaining to some of the guys before the podcast, it's like certain stuff was like, you know, that was frowned upon because they were the big selling books. It was like, you know, Teen Titans and they're, you know, you kind of go, well, wait. How can you reboot Wonder Woman but still have an adult Wonder Girl running around with the Teen Titans and people are like, shh, <laughs> you know, like, don't worry about it, you know, and stuff like that. Like, this book sells, you know, like, we don't need to worry about this book. And, you know, and you're sitting there going, oh, dude, what about, you know, the Legion of Superheroes? Their whole, you know, history is tied into Superboy and people are like, shh, you know, like, you can't reboot Superman and not have him be Superboy and yet – still have you know that those legion books you know make a lick of sense you know so I guess I'll just go around and and see uh, what what are your thoughts on this, Justin? Like, I mean, is this? Uh, or did you read some of the descriptions? Are there some titles maybe you're looking forward to? Do you think it's a big slap in the face to you? Like, are you afraid? Like, you know, you're you're like, oh, I hope there's a JSA description, or you're like, oh no, maybe all the JSA are like not there anymore.
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit afraid of it, but uh, I did read some of the descriptions. There is a JSA number one, so I'll probably check it out, and I'm curious to see as to who's going to be on the team. I also noticed there's going to be a new Aquaman and uh, Hawkman ongoing, and I'm big fans of those characters, so I'll definitely check those out. But uh, as far as the other stuff, I probably, I probably won't check it out. It seems like kind of a shady thing, like I don't know, I guess from like a collector's viewpoint. You know, action number 900 just came out, like what, a month ago, two months ago? And, and now they're going to do it over again with number one, so it, I guess, like, from my collector's viewpoint, it feels, you know, kind of like a slap in the face or just, well, we just got to 900. You're going to go back to number one? Why did I get the previous 900 issues, you know? But I just want to know, Derek, if Deckstar is the lead in the Red Lantern comic, are you going to be picking that up?
1: I, I think it's Atrocitus that's supposed to be the... The, the main character oh. in that, but I, I, you know, I, I, I like Dexter. I think, <laughs> I think it's cool, but like, you know, I'll, I'll see what happens. It's weird because I've been looking at like the creative teams. Cause it's like, I, I know you like Hawkman, but then like when I saw they were going to make Tony Daniel, the writer on it, I was kind of like, Oh yeah. Oh. You know, and that kind of made me because it's like when I was looking at them, the the books that kind of stood out to me was it kind of like how you like Hawkman. I was like kind of happy to see that Captain Adam was going to get his own book for however long that lasts. You know, even if it's like five issues, I was kind of like, ooh, Captain Adam. And then the the other book, mainly because of the creative team, but also because you know I I kind of grew up with Firestorm. I I was looking at how uh, Gail Simone's going to be the person doing the new Firestorm book, so I was kind of like, oh, that seems kind of cool. You know, so, like, there there were things like that where if, if something kind of, you know, stood out to me, I was like, oh, there could be some good things that could come out of this and stuff like that. But, Brian, you have any, any thoughts on the whole, I guess, little mini <laughs> event that he sees? I mean, you know, we could even talk about the whole digital versus traditional distribution, too, because that's kind of exciting in a way as well.
3: Yeah, only lacking a handful of DC characters and not that worried about it either way. I, I kind of, like, as an outside fan, I almost wish that they had went more like the Marvel Ultimate Universe route. I think that would have done better to have, like, two separate continuities. I mean, who knows if that will end up being actually what they're doing. But uh, as far as the digital comics, are are they something that you'd be able to download and, like, retain? Or is it, like, a limited access type thing? Or? It, it sounds
1: like to me it's download and retain because let me, let me just read you, like, some of the specific stuff. In terms of like the price point, because they're talking about digital, right? And so they're they're saying that it's going to be a price parity for the same day digital. So in other words, what that means is if you if you buy say like a three ninety nine comic, then you know on that I think that first day date, you know to the next two or three weeks or even a month or whatever the 399 comic that's paper is going to be 399 to download so it's not to, you know, screw over the brick and mortar stores but then I think after that period then you'll be able to get it for 299 or like if it's a 299 comic and like after a month you'll be able to get it for 199 as far as like physical digital copy they talk about how the Justice League number 1 is going to have like three different options so you can buy you know, the, the double-sized Justice League, the regular comic, you can download the regular comic, but there's also going to be this package where you can get, you know, kind of like, you know how they have like Blu-rays and DVDs right. with like, the oh, we've got a digital disc inside that you can download or whatever, yeah. or, or a little code or whatever. So they said they're going to do the same thing with that, where there's like a little code for you to try out the digital version of the comic as well. So... So to me, that kind of that kind of sounds like, well, if there's a code to get it, you know, it sounds like to me it's going to be more like an iTunes iPod type thing where there's some kind of, you know, I'm assuming it's some kind of D.C. proprietary format or something that that will be, you know, an extension that you can, you know, whether it's like with the you know, you know how they have like the e-reader books and things like that. I'm assuming it's going to be like that where, you know, it goes on to your. You know your device, whatever it's going to be, you know your iPad or, or whatnot, and then uh, and then you'd have it. Like I, I, I'm not that big a fan of the whole way Marvel does it now, where it's like you, you know, subscribe for the month, but all you do is have access to their library, but it's not anything that you get to keep. Kind of take along with you per se. Right. You
3: know? The only it's thing that's like... weird about the DC thing is like I don't I don't see how they're going to sell any digital comics for three ninety nine. You know. Like my my buy-in point would be like 99 cent comic, you know. That'd be cool if I could download it, print it off, whatever. But I don't know, 3.99 yeah, yeah. seems steep.
1: No, no, no. I I mean I agree that that seems kind of steep. I think I think there were some people saying like, oh their their breaking point would be like 199. They wouldn't pay more than that. And it seems like eventually most of the books will be that price. But it just seems like something where you'd have to wait for it. Like if you yeah. if you were a total freaking nerd and you needed to have it like same day date, you know, and you couldn't stand it, you know, if you want to have Jim Lee's Justice League, you know, like, I don't know. I'm thinking I might just, you know, I, I, I I'm curious just to see how it is. I might like, you know, steal uh, steal my dad's iPad for for the week that that, you know, in August when it comes out and just kind of. <laughs> like download a couple of things, you know, and then pay them back or something like that. And just, uh, cause I'm just curious like how it looks and stuff, you know, and maybe to, to, you know, follow up on, on the show later, you know, see how it, how it is. But I mean, I agree with you. It's like comics are expensive as they are. And then most, most people, if they pay, you know, $4 for a comic book, they'd rather have the opportunity to you know keep it or resell it or something like that. And I guess it's kind of hard to do that with a, a digital copy.
3: Yeah. Most of the complaints you guys are reading and hearing about, do you think that's from people who are, like, imagining their characters are going to be, like, irrevocably changed?
1: Yeah, because it seems like we don't have that much information. I mean, all we have to go by right now are the press releases and the solicitations. I mean, you know, given that there are all these team books in there. I don't see it as a big reboot, but then, you know, you never know. I mean, it seems like, uh, I think what, what Superman readers are most concerned about is that there's not going to be a marriage anymore after that, kind of like the whole Superman thing. So I, I know that's a big concern with, at least, you know, from what I've gathered, you know, I haven't, you know, paid attention totally to it, but I know there's been people going, uh, we think like they're going to try to undo the marriage because, you know, Morrison might try to, you know, put his old spin on, you know, because I I remember he had a proposal to write Superman and sort of get rid of the marriage and go back to sort of, you know, how things kind of were pre the marriage and stuff. And and it was something that kind of got passed over by DC editorial, but people are wondering if that's going to be. Put back into play after this goes down and stuff like that. <laughs> Without you know, smoothly, way,
3: uh, Spider-Man's marriage ending went over. Right, I can't right. imagine why like, <laughs> he wouldn't want to do the same thing.
1: It's a it's exactly. an industry
2: wide conspiracy against married characters. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's a liberal liberal left wing conspiracy to destroy marriage. <laughs> I,
2: I totally believe in a underwater king and. You can you know do all this crazy stuff and talk to a seahorse, but if he's married, nope, I don't I don't buy that. Nope, you've, you've gone too far.
1: Well, not not only was he married, he had a baby, and the baby got killed, and yeah, so it's it's a lot to swallow, Justin. I was going to say,
0: eventually, <laughs> people are going to find Reed Richards totally unrelatable, so they better you know divorce him from Sue Storm <laughs> asap. Yeah, yeah. I cannot buy him being a super genius that stretches.
1: If he's married, yeah. too. If he's married, right? Yeah, makes yeah. Sense. the marriage is, marriage is basically what makes him unrelatable. So, I mean, I, I think there is that element of fear in terms of, you know, characters and stuff. But, I mean, like I said, that's the, to me, that hasn't been confirmed until I, you know, see the comic or read it myself or whatever.
3: Yeah, I imagine it's going to be like a minor shakeup of the, you know, major characters. And I don't see it like being permanent.
1: Well, because, I mean, you know, to me, I'm kind of, like, thinking, well, you've got titles with Guy Gardner and, and John Stewart, and if it was, like, a true, true reboot, you'd think there'd just be one, you know, one frickin' Green Lantern, right, you know, her. not, yeah. not, not a Red Lantern title, yep. you know, like. Like, you know, like the, the and the kind of like the same thing with like all the team books. It's like, well, they've got a whole Justice League with Cyborg. I mean, if it was a reboot and Cyborg was a member of the Justice League, does that mean there's no Teen Titans or he was never a member of the Teen Titans? Like, I don't I don't think that's what they're going for. You know, I I, I just think it's kind of like, you know, another event to stir up things and, and basically, you know, a bunch of number ones to spike sales, you know, like uh, but, you know. Maybe you know, maybe I, I'm thinking too minor, but you know, we'll, we'll see when they, you know, release more information. I mean, we'll find out after Flashpoint is done and uh, towards the end of August, you know, for sure. Did you have anything to say about it, Mike? I was
0: gonna say yeah, I hope it's like what you describe because, like you know, I can only I don't regularly read DC, so I can only go by uh, what I'd think if this happened to Marvel, and I'd probably be pretty pissed off if this happened to Marvel. I'd just be like. You know, uh, oh, you know, like they're giving you a bunch of options, but you're like, I liked the, you know, I don't want more options. Now you're like putting pressure on me, and now like I got to decide, oh, which book do I want to start over at number one now again? You know, at like, and uh, now I got to decide, like, oh, do I want to like just stop reading this book now because it's starting over? Like, you know, like Ultimate Spider-Man is ending like in the next month or so, and they're starting off with another a new. Ultimate Spider-Man number one with supposedly, like, a new character, a new costume, like, a new status quo, and now I'm kind of like, you know what, I think this might be my jumping-off point for Ultimate Spider-Man. So, like, you know, I don't really like that. It... that,
1: that that's interesting, because maybe you'll get those people, those fans that are like you, you know, maybe they'll they'll read up to Batman, you know, 700, you know, 15, or whatever he gets to, and then be like, all right, later for this shit. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. It's like, you I know... The stuff that's just on, like, you know, the, just this side of the fence for me. And it's like, if if it started over, I'd be like, you know what, um, I think I'm going to drop this now, you know. So, you know, I'd probably be pretty pissed off if this happened to Marvel. So, uh, I, I can't, like, I just, I, I sincerely hope, like, they're not, like, totally ditching everything and, you know, restarting. Because I was thinking they'd restart and, like, kind of simplify their universe, sort of, like, <laughs> Like, you'd get this sense of, like, oh, everyone's around, but, you know, stuff might have happened differently now, you know? And also, I I kind of sense a kind of hand of, like, looking at the cover of, like, the Justice League, number one, like, I I kind of sense the hand of, like, increased, like, media tie-in. Like, you've got, like, you know, Green Lantern with his green Gatling gun on that cover and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. You know? Yeah,
1: somebody was saying something about Flashpoint or something somehow tied into the, the movie Green Lantern universe somehow, or that they were going to try and specifically tie it into things. I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, I'll just see. I'm a little more open-minded about it because I've read DC Comics for a long time, so it's like I've been through, you know, Crisis and Zero Hour and Infinite Crisis and all this stuff, so it's like... I don't know, by this point I'm kind of numb to the whole, you know, it's like it's not a big deal. I'll kind of see where it goes, and I'm just trying to focus on any of the positive aspects. Like, if Gail Simone writes a really cool Firestorm book, like, then, hey, that's cool. If Captain Adam has a title that lasts longer than uh you know 54 issues or however long his last title lasted you know like then cool but you know i I was gonna ask brian i'm just curious because he brought it up but he he brought up the the correlation between like uh, an ultimate line for dc comics and like you know i i I always thought they tried to sell the all-star line as the ultimate line but i mean i know that's that's kind of a a two-edged sword because all you really have is all-star superman which is generally given praise and then you've got all-star batman which is generally uh <laughs> given the mocks and derisive laughter so i was just curious like did any of those ever when they were trying to pitch those like did any of those ever kind of go oh hey brian like check us out because we're the ultimate version of dc or even like even i guess maybe maybe even another example would be something like jms just did this earth one superman deal like is that something you know any of those things? Something that would would speak to you more than than this kind of quote unquote relaunch. That's not a reboot thing. Or
3: um, yeah, I think it'd be preferable to what they're doing now. I mean, it makes sense with what Marvel did. I mean, they started small too. Maybe All Star Superman stuff didn't catch on as much as they thought it would. But you know, Marvel started small and then expanded their Ultimate Universe. But then you know, long time long term fans were satisfied because none of their mainstream books got changed and. People that wanted to get into you know kind of a new different way of telling the same story or whatever could jump on Ultimates. So I don't know. That that'd be kind of a good question for you and Justin too. I mean, what would you guys prefer? I, you know, you know, it's
1: weird because to me, uh, since since I've seen DC do the half-assed reboot with with post-Crisis, like I, I I'd almost be the, like the almost complete opposite of Mike, just because I'm curious. Like, I was kind of actually disappointed when I saw the team books and saw the Guy Gardner book and the Red Lantern book. I know that's kind of weird coming from me, but, like, I kind of have this weird, morbid curiosity of, like, what if they really did just reboot all fucking 52 titles from scratch? And I know they're not going to do that, but it was just, like, this weird thought in the back of my head of, like, you know, yeah, they could have Superman be the first title and, you know, move out from there and then make some team books and then, you know, like – genuinely reboot it but i I don't think that's going to happen um there's almost like a morbid
3: curiosity aspect with that too like to see if they actually went balls to the walls and like relaunched everything like would uh, it crash and burn would it be awesome so
1: yeah yeah how would that do like you know those kind of things i mean you know and then you know like everything else it's kind of like i was saying when when i see the creative teams is when i get a little more excited about stuff. I think as I think as they start releasing more stuff from, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where to me I'm kind of like, oh cool, you know. Uh, I, I know some people love him or hate him, but it's like for me, Jeff Johns is still doing Green Lantern. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then he's doing uh, Aquaman now. So it's like, I don't know. If people liked him doing Flash, well, maybe they're going to be disappointed that he's not anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like does that mean Barry Allen's book is going to get canceled and like? you know, five more issues, because he's not on it, you know, like, I, you know, I, you know, to me, I'm like, that's the kind of stuff I wonder about, you know, where it's like, you know, it's like, you might bitch and moan about Jeff Johns or Brian Michael Bendis, but then you take them off a book, and then maybe the the book gets canceled, you know, or whatever. And it's like, well, I'd rather have a book with, with a flash in it than to have, see his book get canceled after, you know, five issues for, you know, whatever reason. I mean, they're going to try and sell all the new creative teams, you know, to their utmost ability, I'm sure. But like some, you know, like anything else, you know, some things will speak more to people than others, I'm sure. And and you'll be able to see, you know, to me, I'm wondering, like, I I thought it was an odd choice in the, the new descriptions to have a Mr. Terrific book. You know, not that, you know, nothing against the character. I think the character's, you know, handled pretty well, actually. I, I think I like him a lot, but he's always been part of the JSA as a team book, and I was kind of like, oh, huh, that's interesting. It's like they decided to give him his own book. Like, I go, I wonder if that's going to last, if that's going to take off. Like, I'm just genuinely curious about how it's going to end up doing, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I like that character, too, but I just I just don't see the interest being there for, you know, month after month adventures of Mr. Terrific. I just I don't think it'll last very long.
1: Well, because it's like, if you even go back to something like Checkmate, that was not even Mr. Terrific specific, but did focus on, you know, him as a character as part of Checkmate, it's like, you know, that series didn't even last that long. And it's not that I disliked it. I did like it for the most part. But, you know, it's like some of those things, whether they're, you know, intellectual or kind of, you know, not, you know, I mean, Checkmate compared to Batman is, you know, the sales units must be worlds away, Mm -hmm. so... You know, and there's not too much you can do about
0: that. No matter, matter, I was going to say, no matter how much you try to sell something, you know, sometimes it just won't, won't go, they won't go for it. Like (laughs) Spider-Woman.
1: Right, right. Yes, Bendis, like Spider-Woman.
2: Unless she gets naked in
1: every title every month. For no reason. (laughs) Yeah. Even then, I don't know. I, don't know I can put up with that. Bendis. I want. I wanted to say. Um,
0: I agree with you guys that there is a bit of curiosity. Like, like, what would happen if they just, you know, started everything over and then, you know, throw a bunch of stuff on a wall to see what would stick. And and I know there was some comment in like that initial article about like, oh, if this was a complete reboot, you know, the cool thing would be like it'd be about the stories. And, you know, things like like Surprise and Shock would be back and stuff. And I, I was like, yeah, but, you know, how far can you deviate,
1: you know, really? Well, that, that's what I think is interesting about the whole Ultimate thing. It's like, yeah, it's new and fresh for, like, a year. Except, you know, like, yeah, I mean, eventually, true. like, Ultimate X-Men got just as convoluted as normal X-Men, right? Yeah, uh, like, yep. Didn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't know. And
0: then, then they did kind of go into the, that like, let's just do anything like area. But then they got like Jeb Loeb to do it, and he didn't like. Ugh. Yeah, he he. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't like he wasn't the best person to do that. Basically, yeah. Uh, like you know, just like if they gave you this universe and said, okay, screw it up, destroy it.
2: Yeah, I think. I think stuff like that's made with the best intentions like the ultimate line of Marvel, you know, it's like hey kids be sure to check out Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man number 1, it's a whole new universe, it's full of surprises. And then, you know, cut to a few years later and it's like, oh, be sure to check out, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man 150. It may not be quite as fresh, but you should still buy it, kids. But he's
1: dying. <laughs>
2: You know, it's like by the time it gets to one hundred and fifty, it's it's going to be just as convoluted and everything. It's it's going to have yeah, all yeah. those reasons they started over in the first place. Well,
0: yeah. it it really is looking like it's going to happen. Like I'm not sure what, what to feel, but it really does look like it's like Peter Parker, Ultimate Peter Parker, is going to die. And like I'm not sure whether you know, like either way, like if he dies, I'm going to be like. Well, you did exactly what you said you were going to do, and I guess that's kind of admirable and kind of shocking. But also I've got, like, you know, my usual, like, cynicism from reading comics for so long where I'm like, okay, I bet, you know, he's not going to die. He's just going to, like, have to, you know, kill the Peter Parker persona, and, you know, he's going to have to, like, join S.H.I.E.L.D. and be Spider-Man, like, 24 hours a day or whatever, and that's how, like, the death. You know their little cop-out death of Peter Parker or whatever. So, you know, and it, like it, it's like damned if
1: you do and damned if you don't. So, I don't know. It's funny. I think my my cynicism, you know, because I'm I'm a crack fiend of comics, as uh, some posters <laughs> have kindly pointed out. But my my cynicism goes even a step beyond that, where I'm kind of like, dude, he's just Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Like, Who cares the, dude? It's like they killed a real Spider-Man. <laughs> You know, like, and that's kind of my thing about it. Who
2: cares about Ultimate Colossus? The real Colossus would never be gay. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: kind of true.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: Like, I, don't,
1: I don't care about that stuff. You're, so. Well, you're
2: like, who
0: cares about <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man? Regular Spider-Man dies, like, every month, and what if? <laughs>
3: yeah, <exactly>. By Sentinels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff
2: he's in the danger room bad news i was in there practicing i left it
1: on. what program was running deadly sentinels my spider sense is going crazy Ooh, so so on the note of uh uh that uh, it looks like we we kind of had our say on all those different topics. We're, we're just gonna give a, a brief shout out. Uh, we got a couple emails, so we we just want to thank some people or, or I guess comments and stuff. Uh, we know Deek Winsome sent us in an email about episode eight, I believe, and so he had some nice things to say about the voice acting and uh, you know some of the intros and stuff like that. He also was was aghast and astounded that that some of us liked Adam West as batman and that you know kevin conroy uh in his mind was the true best batman and there was no contest so you know it's like it's good go ahead throw us some stuff uh, every once in a while and then also on our what do you WordPress. call it wordpress thank you i'm dumb on our wordpress <laughs> uh we had roxanne send us comments uh, about our go sukashi episode and uh, she is a big fan of Gosukashi, and we had a lot of fun having Justin on the show. And she was, uh, I guess, really happy uh, with that episode as well. So we just wanted to send a shout out to Roxanne and thank her for her kind comments. And so I guess you know now comes the moment where we all go through with our, uh, you know, what is awesome in our corner of the world universe multiverse this week. So, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it to Mike and ask him what's what's awesome in the multiverse this week for you, Mike.
0: Okay. Well, um I'm going to pick X-Men First Class uh this week. I just saw it last night and it was very good and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And you know, the months leading up to it, I guess the, you know, there were a lot of production problems and you know, at things we kept hearing about the budget and the script and the actors being recast and all this All this, uh, you know, controversy and stuff, but it turned out to be a really good movie, and, you know, despite uh, the usual cynicism and whatnot, I I really enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, you know, Marvel's two for two in my eyes this year, so if they can just make Captain America good, you know, they'll be in pretty good shape, I think,
1: so... Yeah, I I'll go to bat for that. I think Marvel's definitely did a did a 2 for 2. I I, I will say uh, for me this is high praise. Uh, I thought I thought First Class was I liked it as much as I liked X2. So, so and that's pretty high praise for me.
3: Yeah, so, I was going to ask Mike where do you put like First Class in comparison to the other X-Men movies?
0: I'd have to see it again, but it's up there. Like I I'd, I'd almost say like, you know, it's probably it my I don't want to say it's my favorite, thus far but you know it, give it a couple years and it probably will be my favorite you know a couple rewatchings and stuff you know cool. like I, I like the first x-men and i like x2 but there are elements in them that i sometimes can't get past
1: so and this one you know will require some rewatching. but i really liked it cool so so we've got we've got x-men first class as a is a awesome thing for the week. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to Justin and ask him what's what's awesome in his world currently.
2: Well, no surprise here. It's uh, it's a book. I've been reading Clive Cussler's uh, The Sea Hunters. Um, this is his first book that I've read. I've been familiar with him for you know several years. He's uh he writes a lot of fictional stuff about c Rex and stuff, but he's actually uh, he's actually discovered a lot of uh, famous wash uh, ships, and this book is all about his adventures, you know, finding those famous uh, shipwrecks like the uh, you know, Confederate submarine, the Hunley, and everything. And, you know, I love stuff about shipwrecks and the Navy and the sea, and I love history. So this has uh, been a really great book.
1: Cool. And then uh, we'll go on to Brian and ask him what's awesome currently in his world.
3: Yeah, this show ended up being a lot more comic-heavy than I anticipated it. But my awesome thing of this week is old comic books. My dad used to go around to a lot of like garage sales and uh, flea markets and stuff. He'd always uh, look for Transformers and typically, unfortunately, bring home Power Rangers. But uh, he also picked up a lot of boxes of random comics and stuff. So this week I've been kind of going through those and uh, rereading some. Some of the high points that made this my awesome thing of the week. Not only did I find a Devil Dinosaur comic,
2: <laughs> not, only,
3: not only did I find the first appearance of Madcap, Captain, (laughs) If if people can remember back to our first comic topic a while ago in the podcast, I mentioned the first comic I bought was a uh, Solo Avengers with Hawkeye. But the first comic I actually remembered reading was a Superman comic that I think my dad got for me. And so uh, I actually found that comic, Superman number 25, and I, I believe that's the first comic I ever read. So there's a big nostalgia trip this week, and it's all due to old comics.
1: Which which volume is is that the second volume of Superman or the first one?
3: Um, I have no clue. It's gonna be an 80s volume though. So which? Oh, okay. So like the the,
1: it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it, what that's is that I think that has like Gangbuster or Rampage or somebody. It's I don't Brainiac know. and
3: Lex Luthor and there's like uh, I don't know if it's a dream or Brainiac tricking him, but um he like Clark Kent accidentally kills like Lois Lane like oh, and okay. he just on there okay. so.
1: Oh, I guess it's me. See, so, yeah, I forget well, I'm moderating. Don't, don't cut in yeah. front of
3: Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm like... Boo,
3: boo, boo. <laughs> um,
1: so, I, I, for my awesome thing this week, uh, it, which may or may not be a surprise, is uh, I got to watch the, uh, the new Batman Brave and the Bold. I guess right now it's just uh, iTunes and PlayStation or whatever. I don't think it's aired on TV yet, but uh, it's the... Wonder Woman slash Green Lantern episode. I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe Wonder Woman was going to get her her own episode, like all to herself. But she was the the you know spoilers. She was the teaser bumper vil- or bumper hero or whatever. And uh, and then Green Lantern was part of the main story. But yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it. Uh, you know, cool uh, Hal Jordan stuff. I Guess you know for the most part, it, with the exception of like stuff like First Flight, it's not like Hal Jordan was. Ever heavily featured on the Justice League or anything like that, so uh, this was cool to uh, to see that show. It wasn't it wasn't as lovingly in depth as the Superman episode was, but it still was it was fun to watch and and it was a good episode. So that's my that's my awesome thing for the week. Derek, did they include the pie face in an episode? No, no, they did not include <laughs> Face in that episode, which which another reason why I hate Millennium is, man, Face gets the shit kicked out of him by the fucking Manhunters, dude. That is not cool. Yeah, Face isn't in the episode. It, it, you know, we we had to have time for Batman. I guess Face would have taken away from the Batman time or something. But yeah, uh, it, it's got the, the main the main villain is Star Sapphire, so you know, and they they Absolutely. they sprinkle some other some other Green Lantern villains, you know, in in, in a few scenes, you know, here and there, you know, and some some sort of establishing shots and stuff like that. So yeah, it was cool. I know I enjoyed-
0: uh, what I know. They they pushed. It was supposed to air in like you know the U.S. Uh, like last week, but I guess they pushed it back on Cartoon Network. Does anyone know yeah, why maybe- that is or?
1: i I'm just assuming maybe maybe they wanna release it around the same time that that the movie. the movie comes yeah
0: out.
1: No, that's the only thing I can think of yeah i mean unless, unless you know unless it's like an air date thing where they just want to have they wanna save more episodes for you know some time but i I don't know, yeah, so yeah, cool, all right, so uh, I guess we 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 talked our asses off about comics and all kinds of stuff. Be sure to, if you want to send us any emails, you can send them at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. You know, let us know if we, you know, talk too much, or talk too little, or if you totally disagree with us and think we're crazy, or if you think like we're, you know, right on. Then uh, let us know. Um, we're always happy to hear some feedback. And please go ahead and uh, check us out next week. So, from all of us at Fanholes, this is uh, Derek, Derek W C.
3: This is Brian, aka Breakdown.
0: This is Mike, uh Nightwatch.
2: <laughs> I am grouped, <laughs> And sometimes I'm also Grimlock. Woo! Uh, I got just
0: got shot and I died.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I kill you.